Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm Alex. And that's that's all we've got today. We it's just it's just us. It's it's the classic dynamic duo. And we're talking about this movie. Yeah. Um Britain uh did have to take the week off, which means we uh put together uh our our trilogy of scooby-doo <laughs> scooby-doo 2 monsters unleashed and independence day with with the break of dr with the strange break of dr strange as our regularly scheduled programming this yeah. is this is what we came up with to fill the intervening weeks yes and by that we mean britain did watch the movie and yes. he gave it an f <laughs> britain did want to communicate that his grade for the movie is an f um <laughs> so we're definitely passing that along but yeah uh also, correction, I definitely said that a million was something that could not be counted to in a lifetime, but actually a million can be counted to in like a week. I realize this afterwards. Uh, a billion is the number that takes like 30 years to count out. Oh, I remember you saying a billion. Okay. Yeah. We'll pretend I did, but... look. I, d- I don't go back and listen to him I- <laughs> unless unless Britain says there's a wild joke that one of us sure. missed. Sure. Um, but let's uh, let's just go with you said it the right way. Yes. Uh, I, I said it the wrong way and realized afterwards that the nerds would be after me and it would be like the one time we get fan mail it would just be somebody mad at me about getting that wrong. So I mean, every other time they're mad at me. So you, you finally got like one little mark on on the, yeah. on the board. Yeah, except not really, because no one actually asked about it. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. fine. Editor's notes. It's fine. What um, are we talking about this week, Tyler? This is we're talking about Independence Day. This was like the most just terrible movie <laughs> selection, and it's all like I was the one who chose it, but neither of you fought me on it. Um. <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's going to be 4th of July. That, knowing that the episode would go up after the 4th of July. This is now post 4th of July week. This is yeah. 4th of July hangover week. Uh, well, I mean, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum just saved us. So, I mean, we're talking about what they just did. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of threw this out there. And then we all were like, wow. This is a movie, uh, and I don't, I have no answers, really, uh, yeah. except to talk about things that passed before our eyes. That's, yeah, that's, that's, those, those are all wonderful points you bring up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so a couple of things. Yes, Britain is not here. We miss him. He gives it enough. And then also, we are not doing Independence Day Resurgence unless we run into this situation <laughs> again Correct. next year where... We don't have anything for... To be clear, only specifically the week of July 4th next year. <laughs> yeah. that's That has to happen. It has to be something where we, we need a movie, like a pinch-hitting movie, uh, on the week of July 4th. Otherwise, we're not doing it. It doesn't matter <laughs> if it happens, happens again in, like, two weeks. We're not touching that one. Well... Unless, specifically, that's a circumstance. Look, I, I, I know that, you know, I don't think Roland Emmerich has any other franchise films, at least ne- as of right now. I mean, who, uh, Moonfall could get could get a whole sure. series. We don't know. 
Yeah. Um, I'm officially calling it. We're never doing another Roland Emmerich movie. We're just we're we're not. It's it's. I I put my foot yeah. down. Yeah. I know. I, I know you probably won't fight me hard on that, but I feel like I have to formally announce it for everyone, I so that way everyone knows. For my own sake, I should agree to that <laughs> before I look at the movie list. Yes. Uh, for Roland Emmerich. So we've done two, and that's enough. Um, well, then again, Britain has, you know, you, you, you've got a child. Eventually, you'll get to that point where you're like, The Patriot is my favorite movie. That's true. <laughs> but if I've agreed now, then I can't I can't be under that spell. That's later. true. What are the scores? <laughs> oh, yeah, we do that. We, we do that here, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So Independence Day, the, the first one. Which I think also on all the marketing was listed as ID four, which doesn't make sense. Yeah, but anyways, I tried um, to think about it. I got it, nothing. It's it's it makes about as much sense as H two O twenty years <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, Independence Day directed by by our our, our favorite Roland Emmerich uh, from nineteen ninety six. It has a 67% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 75% audience score. And I think most people would say that either this or The Patriot is probably his best movie. I have yes. not seen The Patriot, so I don't know. I have one very searing image of The Patriot in my head from when I was uh, quite a bit younger. Like, I, I do not know all the... Probably elementary school, literally. Sure. Uh, and my dad was flipping through channels and stopped and was like, oh, the Patriot. Uh, and I watched a man get decapitated by a cannibal. And then we moved on. Seems <laughs> good. That was my experience with the Patriot. Have not gone back. I, I don't I Probably don't see any problem fine. with that. Um, so, yeah, just so uh, everyone remembers, um, in case you're you're new to, to this podcast, if you are, hello, welcome. I'm, I'm sorry you started with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, we did previously do the Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie, which I still believe is the worst film we've done for this podcast. Yeah, so good, this is a argument. wonderful follow-up. I'm 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 excited. I'm excited for for Tyler to uh, uh, mildly defend this movie. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, I didn't hate it. I'll I'll, I'll go yeah, ahead and no, throw that same. out there. But uh, I for a synopsis. Um, I, I can read it straight from Rotten Tomatoes if you would like. Oh, I was just going to wing it, but that's fine, too. Do we want to both compete, and then we can have people comment Let's and say, say which, which one is time, best? And then people can say. <laughs> look, read, read the What does Rotten Tomatoes have to say for itself? Look, about, look. Between, about listing Independence Day on its website. Between you, me, and Britain, we all talk over each other enough just because of Skype issues. We don't, we don't need a full synopsis read to be like that. In the epic adventure film Independence Day, in quotes because it's not real, strange phenomena (laughs) surface around the globe. The skies ignite. Terror races through the world's major cities. As these extraordinary events unfold, it becomes increasingly clear that a force of incredible magnitude has arrived. Its mission? Total annihilation over the 4th of July weekend. The last hope to stop the destruction is an unlikely group of people united by fate in unimaginable circumstances. That is the equivalent of a Wikipedia article about somebody that was definitely written by that somebody. 
like when you when you go find like an author who's a little bit of a like not as big a name an author and you can tell that the way the article's written it's like oh somebody this person definitely went in there and was like listing their accomplishments and like grabbing review quotes and stuff and saying like this is what this person had to say about this person's book their their uh their mystery novel that they wrote in like tenth grade they they have listed as a mind bending thriller right yeah and they like the yeah they have they have everything the person's ever done listed it's like this seems like there's some bias going on here um because that synopsis is that is far better than this movie deserves I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> way too strong of a synopsis um yeah uh where 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 would you like to start tyler at this this was your choice and i want everyone (laughs) to remember this was tyler's choice he made this decision uh britain and i i guess we're co-conspirators because we just let the whole thing happen so but (laughs) i imagine i imagine that as we go on here this is just going to get more delirious um perhaps i want to start with the things that i thought were neat uh first so that we can kind of spin off of those um i do these are just gonna be random off the top of my head things for what i think the cast is fine pretty good good i I would argue that that's what ultimately saves the movie is our kind of three lead performances um yeah I, i think that most roland emmerich movies from what i've seen i've only seen like a couple outside of this um so maybe i i shouldn't be judging it this way but i feel like they're they're either poorly cast or the the actors don't know what they're doing yeah and i feel like everyone here has a good grasp on what's going on and what they need to deliver on yeah yeah um i like this score it's david arnold who's done some james bond stuff the the best Um, james bond scores um yeah it is it it's quite good. Even this is a, a movie like I, I even listened like all the way through the credits because I was just like the the mm-hmm. big Independence Day suite. Like it, yeah. it's it's quite strong. The theme is really good. There's a good like hopeful theme. It's a lot like the uh, I forget the exact name of it. I meant to look it up. Um, there's a Harry, <clears throat> Harry Potter theme uh, that I think was a John was one of the John. Did John Williams do every Harry Potter movie? So it must be John. Or, no, he did uh, the first three, I think. I think it's in there. It might have been in the fourth one. Um, if but you tell me what it is, like I can probably. It's like it's it out. like the Hogwarts uh, suite. It, it's something like that. It's like I'm not gonna try and hum it out. Um, is it like at the end of uh, Sorcerer's Stone where it's like, oh, Neville, he got the ten points, and Gryffindor wins the House Cup, and everybody's celebrating? Is that? Is that what you're thinking of? Maybe it's kind of like a light, airy. It, it's a it's a motif throughout the the movies. Okay. Uh, and it's kind of like a a nice like whimsical theme that plays in the background of um a lot of Hogwarts scenes. Yeah. Uh, it's probably I think it, from it, the first. Two it then. is it is John Williams. It's it's somewhere yeah. in there because it leads into one of the more main themes. Um, I was gonna say, did they shoehorn it into uh, Fantastic Beasts? probably do you remember hogwarts tyler they they went back to hogwarts don't remember hogwarts i had my brain mugwumped by a by by a whatever um the the big mean black goo monsters from the first one are 
that I think maybe Ezra Miller, Miller's character is, but I don't remember for sure. Yes. Uh, Pe- pieces are starting <laughs> to come back to me, but go on. Independence Day is dredging <laughs> up these memories. The score um, in Independence Day is way too good for the movie. Correct. Because David yes. Arnold is delightful. He's yes. a wonderful composer. Yes. Um, And those right there, like the, those are two big things that if you have those in a movie, then they're going to make the movie feel a lot more respectable than maybe necessarily the screenplay would lend itself to on its own or the directing or whatever the case may be. Um, Random bits. I like, I like that the president doesn't know about area 51 and there's a little conversation they have where um, Jeff Goldblum's dad is like, Oh, you, you, you've got that alien that crashed in, in Roswell in, in Area 51. Why don't you go look that up? And the president's like, well, you know, despite what you said, what you've heard, that really was a weather balloon, yada, yada, yada. And then one of his one of his lieutenant men is like, actually, there oh, there was an alien crash. That's fun. That's a cute thing. I like yeah. that. Um, it gives the movie a slightly interesting place to take its second act, which yeah. goes on for way too long. Yeah. Um, I think the third act in comparison to Godzilla especially is uh much better. <laughs> oh, I think the third I I would almost compare this to Transformers Dark of the Moon. I I mm-hmm. think the third act of this is quite good and yeah. I think it's all I don't want to just keep saying that the good things in this movie are too good for this movie, but like if the preceding two acts were the quality of yeah. that third act, I think I'd feel a lot better about it. Yeah. Um it's genuinely quite a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's pretty well constructed yeah. from just a big bombastic action set piece. Yeah, uh in comparison to when we talked about Godzilla, which I think we all kind of agreed it it kind of hit it got through 2x and then it hit act 3 and act 3 was just the last hour of this 2 hour and 15 minute movie and it was <laughs> insane. Um this one I think has a fairly strong opening and then it kind of bounces around for a while and flails for a bit and then eventually gets to um the third act which is actually like you can tell it was planned but they don't they didn't really edit things down or parse things in a way that we could get to that in a tense quick efficient fashion yeah um i think if this movie was like an hour and 45 minutes it could probably be actually quite good um that's probably not true, but it could be quite a bit better uh, yeah. if it was if it was tightened up. Um, so there's there's there is a uh, there's a shot of a dog jumping into uh, a a tunnel door. Yeah, I guess like a like a bunker in a tunnel, a maintenance tunnel, I guess. Um, in front of a fiery explosion, and it looks like it's something that would have been out of like Airbud, like a like a straight to DVD <laughs> Airbud movie, and it's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that happened. They got the dog to jump. It wasn't it wasn't CGI to get the dog. Somebody somebody was a dog trainer and got the dog to do the one thing in the movie that it was supposed to do. That I, I will say that that is one thing where I feel like sometimes I have a hard time kind of reading cues about like oh the movie is being like super emotionally manipulative mm-hmm. like oftentimes when i'm watching a movie i'm just like this is the story it's trying to tell whatever um but that 
that particular piece of like, oh, the dog's just kind of standing there while this big fireball is about to consume them all. And the, the, um, the gay fox shouts, boomer. And then you have the dog just jump out of the way of getting completely burnt to a crisp. I'm like, oh, mm. you, you just, that's like a crowd pleasing moment in the worst possible sense. <laughs> <laughs> like that is, that is such emotional manipulation. I, yeah stuff like that it's like that works on a five-year-old like (laughs) (laughs) pretty (laughs) much which i mean that's that's kind of roland emmerich's style so sure um another random thing speaking of uh that character uh she is a stripper and there's not a lot of like there's a little bit at the beginning but there's really not much that's played up about her being a stripper in like a negative connotation it's kind of just like yeah, that's her job. She marries Will Smith. Good stuff. She has she has a cute kid. Like they don't really like do much in in a way that I would ex- in a way that a lot of kind of 90s action stuff uh th- this sort of schlocky type thing might really like punch down and get mean about like I don't know. I'm thinking of like Adam Sandler movies. They do a lot of stereotypes. They do a lot of just like stuff that feels cruel to random bit parts. Yeah. Um, or it's not like a weird, like gross setup and payoff of like, Oh yeah, we have to get past these, this group of bad guys. So she's going to distract them yeah. with like a, a dance or something, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's nothing like that. It's like, yeah, it's like they, they show her in the strip club at one point and she has friends there that are her coworkers. One of them uh, goes out to, see the aliens gets horribly annihilated later but it's not like none of that is played as a oh they're they're dumb or they're they're gross or anything like that it's just like ah there's their there's their day job they're getting along yeah um i, I, I do like that was the neat. exchange with the first lady where, where uh she thinks she's a ballerina mm-hmm. um <laughs> she's like not ex- exotic dancing yeah but it pays the bills yeah <laughs> it's fun but it's there's like a genuinely sweet uh wedding ceremony with will smith where uh yeah jeff goldblum and and his ex-wife are kind of like thinking about where their their journey their romance uh on their own terms as they're listening to the vows and everything um yeah i thought that was that was nice to see um (laughs) have i run out (laughs) The, so I guess, I don't know if I want to get right into the third act, because then I feel like we're going to skip over all the stuff that makes this movie bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. But that's kind of the extent of everything that I've got. I think that overall, I mean, talking about it, this being Roland Emmerich's best movie, this is about as pristine and distilled of a disaster movie formula you can get to where you just like kind of get down to what works um again the story itself gets messy just because it takes too long after a while um but the actual just structure of it that it's like all right these aliens show up they're blowing everything up uh they've got a get away from the major cities because the aliens are blowing everything up. It's the end of the world. We have to band together and find a way to, to take them down. Um, and we kind of have this disparate cast of characters who all comes together and makes it work somehow. 
that that is there and it works mostly because of the strength of the cast uh and for that i can get behind it i think it effectively tells that story sure um <laughs> i might have run out of steam well i i think really where uh Roland Emmerich, one of his biggest problems is that with these big disaster type movies, he he just makes them too long, and he focuses. He, I, he doesn't focus. That's the problem. Yeah, he's got too many subplots going on at the same time. We've got too many characters. Half of them don't even really matter all that much. Um, I definitely think this is more focused than like that Godzilla movie. Um, yes, but he spends so much time trying to set up everything in the first act that just doesn't really need to be set up. Like I do understand just trying to make it a bit more logical. Um, like really trying to build up the alien threat and just yeah. how crazy it is. But I almost think you could just trim the fat and just have the opening scene. And I might be stealing this from the red letter media review that they did mm. a few years ago. Cause I, I can't remember if they touched on this, um, I feel like the opening scene should be Will Smith wake, waking up with his um, his girlfriend, soon to be mm. wife, and seeing like he he doesn't realize that an alien ship is like right outside their door. He he's you know using the restroom. He's like, oh, everyone's acting weird. Maybe that's because of the earthquake or whatever. And then he goes outside, and, and the big reveal is him. See, like we're along with him. We we see the yeah. big alien ship um, instead of having like the twenty or thirty minutes beforehand of like. Oh, we see the SETI guys discovering the signal of the ship. Com like, I, I I would just trim all that stuff. I don't think any of it's really necessary. Yeah, I can get behind that. And you just jump straight to the president giving a speech about it and stuff. Yeah, and I think from there, you, you really, I, I think that the whole, the, this, the whole first act of the movie should be really about four things. All right, we, we've got the build up to the aliens and then they destroy everything. And then building up each of our three main characters. So we've got Will Smith, Bill Pullman, and Jeff Goldblum. Like, that should yeah. be the objective. But we keep cutting around at different things. I don't know if Randy Quay should just be cut out of this movie. Because well, I no, absolutely love everything in the third act If anything, him. we need more Randy Quaid. So <laughs> maybe cut out the president. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like Bill Pullman in this. I, no, he's, he's, he's good. Um, um, I almost wonder, like, Randy Quaid, I, I could see them, like, putting him in the second act. Like, that's the first time he shows up, and we don't sure. really, you know, I the the whole intro with him, um, with the crop dusting fiasco, um, is just, it's just really weird. And another thing with Roland Emmerich is that, tonally, his movies are all over the map. I can... It's yeah. such whiplash. And because he keeps cutting back and forth, he likes his globe trotting. He likes cutting between all sorts of, of subplots with varied characters and plot lines, which is, is fine. That that can work. But when one is supposed to be a super serious, like, government meeting, how are we going to handle the aliens, blah, blah, blah. And then you got the next one of Randy Quaid just stumbling around, like, and people making fun of him, asking him if he's been probed by aliens. Like, it's it doesn't, it doesn't fit. doesn't work. Yeah, and... You don't really need to set up Randy Quaid's character because the character is just kind of, I'm drunk because I believe I was abducted by aliens. Yeah. It's like, all right, that's, yep, got the whole picture there. Um, It's nice that he has, he has a little subplot where he's got uh, 
<clears throat> children that he thinks about before he blows up the aliens at the end. Spoilers. Uh, but it is one of the greatest film endings ever. If you don't know it, this movie really does kind of save itself just barely with that ending. Yeah. Yeah. Um, much like Randy Quaid barely saves humanity. Uh, correct. And, and so on. Um, hello boys. <clears throat> I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I think that that could just be, set up pretty quickly i like that idea and i like that the movie never confirms that randy quaid was actually abducted by aliens <laughs> i like that. i like that sure that's never it's like oh that totally could have just been a drunk hallucination uh yeah. or, or uh horrible nightmare that he had i mean um, based on our understanding of the aliens i don't think that they would kidnap him yeah yeah. But at the same time, they do establish that the aliens were there before because they have right. the, the corpses at Area 51. So, I mean, yeah, it doesn't completely rule it out. Yeah. But. And that's another uh, talking about the, oh, the government officials know about Area 51. I do like that they use the ship that crashed at Roswell, uh, quote unquote, the the metafictional, the, the uh, mythical ship that crashed at Roswell, maybe it's the best way to put it. I like that they use that to go destroy the aliens. I think that's fun. That's a good like tie into a a thing people kind of uh, get a chuckle out of. It would also um, be ripped off twelve years later in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Is it <laughs> the the opening of the movie? Is the, you know the Russians take Indy to uh, Area Fifty One yeah. to find the Roswell alien corpse. Right, but that's just the corpse. I'm talking about, like, the ship still works, and they use the ship. Sure. And that's fun. I also really thought you were going to say Independence Day Resurgence, and I'm like, you got to give Roland some grace there. You can't say he's ripping off himself. Like, if he's he's working off his own ideas, then... Look, I can when the man says that he likes making different types of films. He really likes his varied (laughs) filmography. And I mean, to be fair, sometimes there are are sometimes it's the moon. (laughs) Sometimes it's the white aliens. A couple of times it's the White House. Sometimes it's the white. Sometimes it's the British. Sometimes it's the planet Earth. Yeah. Sometimes it's Shakespeare. Yeah. Like, yes, you know. He's got his he's got his things. I'm I'm sorry. I don't want to just like completely hate on a man's career, but I just <laughs> I look at the scores and I just when your best movie is Independence Day, maybe it's time to stop, okay, buddy? I don't know. There there's a lot of people who have not uh achieved <laughs> a, a cinematic experience like Independence Day. All right? <laughs> that's that's true many <laughs> many many people have not tyler <laughs> they also have not achieved a cinematic experience like godzilla in 1998 but this is also but. unequivocally true <laughs> uh how do you uh, feel about how not even necessarily just the performances because i think you and i both agree that everyone's pretty solid in the movie i think you know jeff goldblum and will smith I almost feel like they should, like, join forces earlier in the movie, but it's cool that we get some time for them to just banter at each other. Um, How do we feel about the characters overall? Because obviously with 
this big a movie and the fact that we don't really have a central protagonist, nobody has a whole lot of depth. They're pretty paper thin. Yeah. Um, I think they all have motivations. They have things that set them up to go do stuff. Sure. That is like baseline, but it's nice to see because you don't always get that. Um, this is, this is like the most basic setup and payoff Yeah, in, in uh, like, like this is like, I'm just imagining, like, I, I keep, I keep, you know, making fun of, of Roland Emmerich and his style and stuff, but it, it really does feel like it's, it's almost set up for children. Um, yeah. like, oh, Will Smith, he wants to join NASA. And then at the end he flies into space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bill Pullman. He was a fighter pilot. Oh, he's going to fly at the end. You better believe it. Yeah. Yeah, that that is. None none of the setups and payoffs are clever, or really interesting in any way. It's more well, just the... like, no, this is just we are doing boilerplate what you need to do in a big dumb action movie for things to even slightly matter. Yeah, the the president flying at the end is wild, and I had forgotten about it until watching this again. I was like, wait, they they let him do that? <laughs> oh, that's that's why I love the speech so much because he does he has the big epic speech which works way too well like that should be a complete dumpster fire of a scene and then immediately after he's like no i'm flying (laughs) let me go (laughs) Uh, yeah it's such a it's such a bombastic uh not bombastic that's not really the word um is jingoistic might be the word i'm looking for (laughs) uh speech because he's like yeah everyone's gonna get to celebrate our independence day after this (laughs) aren't you excited world uh and yeah if you just read it off the page it's like this is the worst thing ever yeah but bill pullman sells it uh and it and it works quite well and it, it leads right into randy quaid sacrificing himself to save us all uh, yeah it's pretty good <laughs> it does come off like a movie that had a release date before it even had a premise it does feel like what if we made the focus of the movie the day that it comes out or the weekend that it comes out what if we, the focus yeah. is it's about July 4th. Yeah. Um, How? Yeah. I should have looked this up. What is, what was the box office like after that first weekend? <laughs> oh. I'm curious what, uh, how big of, how easy it was to sell people on Independence Day on like July 30th. <laughs> like, how did, how did that land? I'm not sure. Um, Apparently, in in the U.S., at least, it made uh, over 300 million. Okay, like it was it was quite successful. And this, no, I know it was a big a big hit, but I'm curious how much of that was on weekend one or week one versus because I think it came out on July 3rd. Yes, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. I was looking that up. I I I think this like really set up because I think Will Smith for the longest time a lot of his movies like came out like on that July fourth mm. weekend. Like that was a pattern with a lot of his blockbusters. Yeah, we haven't even really talked about Will Smith all that much. And we're, well, we're not talking about current events, whatever. This movie is what kind of set him up like as a star, as a right. superstar, like right. beyond Fresh Prince. Um, and I think he's quite good. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't really get a whole lot to do, but he's he's funny in all the right ways. He's he's kind of um you know, he's kind of a smart aleck of a character, but he's, it's not like overbearing or annoying. Like he's got just the right, he plays it just right. Right. 
Yeah, and he's got his his family to kind of motivate him and fall back on. Um, yeah, and that's fine. Uh, and yeah, he's entertaining and makes you want to root for him. He does have the uh, punching the alien in the face bit, which is quite good. Welcome to Earth. Yes, so on and so forth. Um, I, I I will say I I did not like Harry Connick Jr. in this as his partner. I thought he was just over the top and embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah. And when he he dies and Will Smith's like screaming, I'm like, I don't, I don't feel anything. I should be happy <laughs> that he's gone. Sorry. You didn't need him. He was holding you back, Will Smith. I mean, he kind of uh, was. Like he he just would not shut up. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird because then at the end they have cigars, but they. No, I guess they have cigars expecting that they're going to blow up the mothership and, and yeah. die with it and then get knocked out of the clamp that's holding the ship so they get to go free. So I guess that's fine. Um, that I, I actually thought was a was a fun setup and payoff with the cigars because right as Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum were going to go fly the ship, they're like, hold on, anybody got any c- cigars? I almost just hexed the whole thing or, you know, <laughs> says something like that. That's pretty yeah. good. That's a pretty yeah. good line. Um, Jeff Goldblum... His character is built up around chess. Uh, it's fun. He has a chess fun chess. and environmentalism. Yes. Which uh, is a bit much. <laughs> I think the environmentalism actually works better than the chess stuff. Uh, sure. Well, I mean, the chess stuff gets dropped after he's just like, oh, checkmate. Well, because he with the chess stuff, he continues to just say checkmate every now and then. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're you're you play chess with your dad. That's that's nice. We get it. But also, yeah. this is nothing like chess. <laughs> you, you, yeah. Giant aliens showed up and blow up, blow up here. Like, just not... broadly speaking, yes, you do move your pieces around, but it's not it's not the same. What if what if he was just the entire time? What if he was just a massive risk fan? He was like. They got all three dice or whatever. <laughs> I forget how risk combat works. But uh, uh, Independence Day does for risk what Stranger Things does for Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Yes. <laughs> I think it should. Uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think he says checkmate in the ship at the end. Probably. And it doesn't really. It's not. <laughs> did you but, did you like um when they're flying out at the end he says must go faster must go faster because they they wanted to reference a better movie did you did you catch that what well, i don't even know what that's a reference to jurassic park when they're f- driving away from the t-rex he says must go faster okay. must go faster it's Sounds a direct good. reference to a better movie because um, jeff goldblum was in it i think i'm gonna need at least five sequels to jurassic park in order for me to remember that movie and there's only four right now if i remember correctly so no there are five you 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 caught yourself there my friend oh god <laughs> you who let this happen uh, look ladies why and gentlemen, didn't jeff goldblum stop this look ladies and gentlemen listening to our lovely lovely podcast Tyler has been sick the past week. He's 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 out of I, it. He had I the missed... wonderful idea for us to watch Independence Day. He missed the first Scooby Doo film. Like it's just been a weird last <laughs> no, several I, weeks. I missed Jurassic World Dominion two. Look, nobody nobody missed Jurassic World Dominion. Whatever. I I is it Jurassic fine. World Dominion? I think so. And not Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. 
seven. What's the last one? Jurassic World Return of Jafar. If I nod my head enough, do you think he'll <laughs> stop talking? Jurassic Park for Dino Geddon. <laughs> That's what it should have been called. Who the who the heck wanted it to be called Dominion when Dino Geddon is right there? You know? <laughs> Colin Trevorrow, what are you doing? My dude. He he wanted to name Star Wars uh Duel of the Fates. Star Wars Episode Nine: Duel of the Fates, which is like pretty good. So come on now, what what did you let some execs shoot down your title dreams? Look, is it Trevoro or Trevaro? Pick a lane, Colin. Yeah. yeah. Punk, get on the podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Tell us how you pronounce your name. Tell us what your ideas were for Jurassic World before. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's Warner Brothers, but probably Sony. Is I'm just going to assume Sony was this to blame for this they he wanted to call it dino Geddon or call it like uh dino storm or the dinosaurs awaken duel of the dinosaurs <laughs> fate fate of the dinosaurs there we go he wanted to call it jurassic world fate of the dinosaurs and they said no i think i think it's it's slightly too long can we just say fate of the dinos yeah I think I think that's that's good synergy. That's that's mm-hmm. good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Do you think there was a rejected J.J. Abrams pitch for the third Jurassic World movie and they swapped? Do you think they, they were like, oh, wait, they, let's they, just whoop, they, let's make both these movies a little worse. They, they fired <laughs> they fired Trevorrow from from episode nine. And he said, okay, no takes. He's back. He's, and he ripped up JJ Abrams. Jurassic world three script. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Threw it in the fire. Correct. <laughs> I hate Hollywood. Let's keep talking about independence. Day. <laughs> this will make us hate Hollywood less. <laughs> um, I like that Jeff Goldblum has an environmentalist thing to him because there's a, He's kind of talking about like, oh, he has, he's trying to recycle and he's trying to pick up after people throughout the, the movie. And then he has a part where he freaks out uh, kind of in the middle during the second act because he's like, why not blow up the ozone and, uh, you know, fill the air with smog and, um, you know, ruin the environment because who cares? The aliens well, this are is killing after us all. They decided to launch nukes at the, the ship and try and blow yeah. it up that way. And he's like, no, that's a terrible idea. That's going to, you know. That's yeah. going to destroy everything. Yeah, and and he's basically losing it. I think he's like dumping out the recycling bin. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Whatever we, you know, maybe if we ruin the planet enough, the aliens won't won't want it. Um, and that's nice. That's a little like a little bit. Uh, his dad like calms him down, and there's a good moment there. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I I think that that's fun. And again, they don't really make fun of him for being environmentalist, which again feels like a kind of thing you would do in a schlocky thing like this. Like, look at this tree hugger. He cares about the environment. It's like, ah, it's Jeff Goldblum. You, you're going to most of the time like and respect him as a person in, in a movie. So, uh, I don't know. That was nice, I guess. Again, the movie could could be a lot meaner, uh, I think. And that, that was kind of my big takeaway is like, oh, there's not a ton. There's not a real grimy underbelly to this. Like a lot of people get murdered by aliens in this movie, but there's not a whole lot of stuff that makes you 
feel like humanity isn't worth saving, <laughs> which sometimes these movies tend to do. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's a fine line. I mean, the movie's not cynical, I would say. Yeah. It's yeah. just stupid. Yeah. Which, I mean, I will take stupid over cynical. Yeah. Well, that's not necessarily true. There are cynical things that are also very high quality, like the boys. Well, well especially in, I think it's like, if you're going to have a movie that's not getting putting a lot of thought into the script that's very schlocky and over the top you don't really want it to be giving you takes <laughs> you, sure. you don't you don't want to be yeah. getting like oh here's why humanity is is bad and here's here's why it's their fault that the aliens are here you want it you want it to that's, be like band together usa that's why America. I, am, I am actually curious and I, i'm never going to watch these movies or rewatch. Mm-hmm. but like the day after tomorrow is about like yeah. global warming destroying everything and then I think Moonfall is about like, no, what's the other one that it's not Roland Emmerich. It's Dean Devlin, his, his uh, longtime collaborator. Is that 2012? No, that's that's the Mayan calendar. Just yeah. apocalypse. Um, yeah. What's the one? It's Gerard Butler. It's 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 kind of like Moonfall, but it's it, it's is it also, more recent? No, it's from like four or five years ago. I cannot remember. Let me look it up. Uh, but um, it's about White a devo- house down. <laughs> It's the de- the device that controls the weather gets taken over by a bad guy. Geostorm? Oh, the- you yeah, got it! Yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah. There we go. I I, I was thinking because I thought about, I thought about Dino Storm earlier. That was my suggestion. So I think that's where that came from. That was the rejected JJ Abrams script. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic World Dino Storm. <laughs> it's fine. It's a tornado, but it's a T Rex. <laughs> <laughs> continue somehow the t- the t-rex Some, tornado somehow, has the di- somehow the dino storm has returned <laughs> our ideas are almost smarter than what actually went into these movies that's correct. almost we're gonna have to watch jurassic world dominion it's are coming we? um somehow we've put off morbius this long look we we we've we've really started making our own rules. We only did the, um, the two Scooby Doo films. We're not doing Independence Day Resurgence. We can really. Well, I mean, I, at this point, there are no rules. Let's just let's just not do anything anymore. <laughs> we'll just turn on the mics and just whatever happens we happens. We could. Um, we're really free. That's what the world needs is more podcast. Uh, we're we're you know couple guys just talk about what's going on you know yeah we 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 tell it like it is (laughs) we're gonna tell it like it is like how warner brothers and disney don't want you to know that they swapped directors and made made worse movies because of it it's it's uh i'll I'll have to stop you there tyler it wasn't warner brothers this time we can blame them for joker 2 but (laughs) that's true Universal did Jurassic World. Joker 2 Dino Storm. <laughs> Which is also a musical. Yeah. <laughs> um, Starring Chris Pratt as Batman. <laughs> correct. Uh, what did you think of the aliens and kind of the design and the aesthetic and everything? They're They're pretty good. They're good, like, traditional, you know, creepy looking kind of, again, the Roswell alien archetype like that i think they work out all right they've they've got this gross like inner pod thing where they start taking apart the alien that will smith theoretically kills or is it the roswell alien that they start taking apart 
I forget which one. No, I think it's the one that Al- or uh, Will Smith gets. Takes down, yeah. Yeah. Because um, I guess he thinks he's killed it, but it's not actually dead. Yeah, that, well, they start taking it apart and realize that it had like an exo- exoskeleton and there's a... Right. A, a, it has like a head inside of the head and it awakes. That is a pretty good jump scare. Yeah. Uh, freaks out and kills some scientists and then they shoot it to death, which is fun. Um, it's a good, it's a good creepy design. It's not like the alien. It's not xenomorphs, but yeah, all right. Yeah, works pretty I, well. I like how they're just like, no, we've got UFOs, but they're massive. <laughs> yeah. And did this, did, did this movie start the blue laser in the sky? Is this, is this the genesis of that? See, I don't know if that counts because there's a different... It it might be the Genesis. But to me, there's a different vibe. Because, like, the blue laser in the sky thing, uh, which probably the most traditional version of this is, like, Avengers, but then also maybe maybe Suicide Squad 2016. Yeah. Um, kind of somewhere in that boat. Um, it's It's, like, something is happening. There's a big visually striking thing to demonstrate that something is happening and that's what our laser is but it's not necessarily like the laser is a danger it's just there sure and we're things are happening around the laser uh and that to me is is a blue laser in the sky moment whereas this is the laser is starting to blow everything up and it's coming down from the ufo so it feels a little different to me Sure. Even though it is it is technically a large blue laser that goes up into the sky. It's really going down from the sky. Yeah. So. I mean, I, it points to the movie for just striking visuals. Like, the image of just this massive alien ship, like, mm-hmm. with this giant laser just blowing up the White House is a very striking visual. Yes. It, the The effects are definitely in and out for a lot of the movie there's a lot of explosions that are very kind of pasted into what's happening sure um i think there's some miniatures it it, i got the vibe that there were i could be wrong particularly Um, the alien mothership at the end there's a lot of miniatures yeah um but there's also a lot of effects that are i mean it's it's from the late 90s it's not you know i was actually impressed with how much of it held up like a lot of the the uh the jet fighter um, stuff throughout yeah. held, holds up pretty well. Like after um, Harry Connick Jr. has died and Will Smith's like flying through the canyon with the, the alien ship behind him, all that held up very, very well. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is actually, a, I, I, you know, I hated Harry Connick Jr.'s character, but as a action scene, this is actually pretty, pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it kind of cohesively it all comes together. Uh, and maintains the right suspension of disbelief throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. One thing about suspension of disbelief with this. Oh, do tell. That has not aged well because the movie came out in the nineties. The, uh, hacking into the mothership (laughs) stuff. All that stuff. I kind of just hand waved of like Jeff Goldblum. He he looked at the satellite and the computers. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's he's connecting to it with like I don't even know what the OS 
would have been, I guess. Well, okay, so so let, let me try... And, Windows Vista? Let, let me try and remember how Windows this Vista, all works. Because truth be told, I'm not sure if I've actually seen this movie before all the way through. Mm. I do not remember, like, the opening 20 minutes of this movie. Um, and maybe that's why I really feel that the opening should just be Will Smith seeing the ship. Because I feel like that's the first scene that I've seen in the movie. Sure. Um, so the idea is that... Um, Jeff Goldblum is a, like, cable maintenance repair guy at this news network, right? Yes. I don't even know if he's supposed to be... Like, his dad calls him a cable repairman. I I think that's supposed to be, like, a putting him down sort of thing. Sure. Like, uh, making fun of him. I think he's supposed to be more kind of technical and official and professional than that. Yeah. Um, he's, like yeah a high, he's, like, a high-level tech guy at, at, at this company yeah. that he works for. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the idea is that he discovers that the alien ships are piggybacking off of the satellites around the planet, including the ones that belong to his company. And he has somehow extracted code or something from them piggybacking off of that, that is showing the countdown to them blowing everything up. Yes. And from that, he somehow is able to build a program that can then work with the alien interface and send them a virus. Yes. And this only works if they get up into the mothership. They don't connect to anything physically in the mothership. As far as I'm aware, they're just like close enough. I mean, if the uh, idea, like, I think there's like a big latch thing that connects to the alien ship. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just supposed to be a clamp. I could be wrong. Um, it it's alien. Seem, we don't know. There's, there's not really a sign or an indication. It seems like they're just kind of like, we've got our laptop. We, we've connected to their Wi-Fi. Uh, I'm yeah. going. I'm working off my 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 phone's hotspot. <laughs> I figured out uh, their password. Since it's yes. 1996, it's not like 12 letters. It's just LOL. Yes, uh, <laughs> they were very advanced in terms of their uh, text talking. What do you even call that? I'm old. It's it's um, it's it's the same as. Uh, Batgirl discovering Alfred's uh, secret CD-ROM with Batman's deepest, darkest secrets on it in Batman and Robin, where it's a three-letter yeah. password. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so they get up there in the mothership, and he pulls up just a thing, and he presses a button that says downloading. I mean, it's it, this is, you know, it's a pretty normal uh thing for 90s and early 2000s movies to do yeah is to hand wave this kind of stuff but it's distracting because very specifically they're trying to connect to this alien technology uh and that's like the the save the hail mary of the movie is that jeff goldblum comes up with this and figures out how to do it uh and that takes down the shields of all the ships which then helps them figure out how to blow up the ships by attacking the laser gun. Yeah. But also they do blow up the mothership by launching the missile while they're inside the mothership. Yeah. And I guess that didn't... I guess maybe the <laughs> idea is that if they blow up the mothership, the other ships can't escape. So that way, like, they, they can't, like, just fly off into space and that way they can all get destroyed. Maybe that's the idea. Yeah, maybe, or maybe, like, they can't get reinforcements. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, they did 20 years later. I guess that's the problem. I guess we're watching this and we're not watching Resurgence. So we don't know what the explanation for the, the mothership being able to be hacked by a 1990s laptop is. I mean, we don't actually even know what the alien's objective is aside from kill humanity. We don't know okay. why they want the Earth. They don't really get into that. I mean, there's there's some speculation. Uh, Brent Spiner's like, maybe they're after our resources or whatever, but there's not there's not a whole lot there. I assume that the, the second one probably has some stupid answer to that gets into yeah. that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about why they didn't pull back the satellite element of it and like jeff goldblum uploads some code or something to the satellite and because yeah. the aliens are using the signal off the satellite they then get transmitted the virus yeah would that make any more sense i don't, I don't, I don't have answers it, i feel I mean, like you yeah. i feel like it's very <laughs> because it's the 90s it's it's a very hard sell if it's not some sort of physical cord sure uh, uh i mean I don't know. They can they can say what they want, but they it's the fact that they don't even have the fake gobbledygook code. They don't have the green text, yeah, and typing into the terminal because that's at least like I don't know. The reason that things do that is because it feels like there could be an air of authenticity, even though it's always like I'm copying and pasting the structure of a random of Google or something into into this code. Like there, it's never actually anything. You never actually type that fast. I took this freshman uh, college student's uh, HTML project, like his intro HTML yes. code, and just pasting it in. Yes, it's it's hello world dot HTML, <laughs> and that's that's what they're doing most of the time in the movie. Yeah, but even in like in this, they they make no attempt to sure. <laughs> to bridge these things or explain how they're working. There's not even like a big kooky. Uh, like satellite rod that he has to plug into his laptop. Like that would be one thing if it was like, when we get close enough, I can use this custom antenna, plug it into my laptop and, and that'll do the right thing. It's just like, all right, I'm pulling my laptop and upload the the big virus to kill them all. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's fine. Jack <laughs> Um, in terms of just like overall stakes and emotional weight, how did you feel about them killing off the president's wife? Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because it does nothing in the movie. I completely forgot that that happened. Like, I remember the scene where she talks with Will Smith's wife, and I remember her being injured. <coughs> but I, I did not remember that she actually died. <laughs> I really thought she died in the initial attacks. Yeah. To kind of heighten, you know, the the drama and the pain and the turmoil that the president is feeling and, like, you know, make you feel for his daughter and everything. Uh, but no, she survives just long enough to see them and then dies off screen. Uh, it's kind of like, okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and then the president's like, well, that's sad. And then, I don't think his, I don't think his daughter ever actually reacts. I'm not convinced his daughter knows, uh, her mother is dead. Yeah. Well, there's a bit where he, he, after she dies, he walks outside and he's kind of, um, depressed of course and he sees his daughter sitting there and she's like did mom finally go to sleep and so and, and he says yeah she did and then they kind of hug right and it's hard to tell from that if the daughter understands what that yeah. means or not yeah because she's pretty happy at the end of the movie maybe she just she loves the destruction of the aliens and so she's caught up in that 
I mean, everyone's, um, like, really happy. Like, maybe too happy at the end of the movie. I'm like, okay, I get it. You killed the aliens, but a lot it, of people died on it's the a way very, there. It's a very uh, SpongeBob, hooray, Patrick, we saved the village yeah. uh, with all of Bikini Bottom on fire. Like, it's yeah. it's that thing, uh, for sure. But, I don't know. It's fine, I guess. Wow, wow Mr. President, your hands are all sweaty again. That's the line in SpongeBob, right? Isn't that what they say, Probably. Mr. Krabs? Or they they just say, "Oh, oh, wow, Mr. Krabs, you're looking all sweaty again," or something. Yes, he's like, I can't remember what episode that's from. I need you to go find the exact season and number and title. I know the pilot has uh, anchovies. That's correct episode. <laughs> yes, the, the, this has now become a SpongeBob podcast. Yeah, we're just going to recite jokes that you like from whoever's the owner of the white sedan. You left your lights on. And that's it. And so on. I'm trying to remember what else, if I had any other like major notes about this movie. Um, um, we haven't actually talked about the third act all that much, or at least the, the aerial battle against the aliens. I think all yes. of that is just super, super fun. And... Mm. That feels very like Star Warsy in the best yes. possible sense. Yeah, and I like how they actually have a plot point of like, no, the missiles like we only have a limited number of them for all of the fighters. Um, and I I think that's a really wonderful plot element that kind of builds the tension towards the end because they're like, okay, we're out of missiles. Oh hey, this guy's his missiles aren't working he's got to just go up and, and just crash into it like all that yeah. that played really well and then they're just like oh we've just got like machine guns on our planes or whatever mm-hmm. we'll try our best yeah yeah but like there's a genuine like stand up and start cheering moment when randy quaid shows up and they're like we're gonna give him some cover and the the, yeah. the music yeah. starts playing you're like yeah well I, america <laughs> yeah i made i made the note before that there's a part where the president's like, I'm out of, I'm out of missiles, Eagle 2. And then uh, presumably Eagle 2 is like, yeah, I'm on it. And then he immediately explodes. And then the president's just like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, he actually says that. Yeah. Uh, and this happens within five or ten seconds. Uh, yeah. It's incredible. Um, it's like, we don't have time to, like, draw this out or make it uh, dramatic or, like, not funny <laughs> we're we're okay with with this as is um yeah and randy quaid is genuinely because he uh he, he has the um in the words of my generation up yours as yes. he as he flies up towards the laser with and perfect you, delivery yes just and it, stop the podcast right here just stop it i don't care what you're doing go watch just that scene of randy quaid yeah. sacrificing right. himself to save all of us it's <laughs> delightful <laughs> i'm glad that this is our well, i'm glad we're continuing to maintain that he did indeed save us all uh from our sense yes when he murdered the aliens i mean um, really independence day i mean the film is just it's just a jesus christ allegory <laughs> true <laughs> i'm gonna not explore that further um, i'm but... not asking you to <laughs> Yeah, that'll yeah. be that'll be for Britain next year during the July Fourth <laughs> weekend when he reviews Independence Day Resurgence by himself. Correct. 
Um, Britain, you live to fight another day, but turns out the, the other day wasn't so great either. <laughs> so Randy Quaid has a line about up yours. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, kind of funny. And I think if they left it there, then it would be like, okay, that's a funny line. And on it's a little sure. bit juvenile. Sure. Whatever. Uh, but then as we see the plane continuing to kind of struggle against the laser beam and, and get up to, to blow it up and, and crash into it. Um, that's where he says the hello boys I'm back and that that's a good for once the movie knew exactly how far to push yeah something like he doesn't have a long speech he he tells them you know say uh, he tells the other pilots to let his kids know he loves them um, and we see that his oldest son is in the base for whatever reason I mean I guess there's kind of no rules at this point I was gonna say um, it's it's that type of movie where every Im- even mildly important person that you've seen before is just in the military control yeah. room watching everything going on yeah uh I'm surprised Boomer wasn't in there he probably was probably you know? was uh <laughs> yes I assume he had a headset um <laughs> Randy Quaid's son it's it's great because he uh one of the one of the generals i think he's the guy that shoots the alien when it when it breaks out on the scene we were talking about earlier where they're dissecting the alien and it goes crazy um i don't know the actor's name but i believe he's on uh, the show firefly and i think he's been in like a yes, couple of other things he is um this movie has a lot of those kind of actors that just are adam like, baldwin that's who it is yeah it's like i know them from somewhere um it just made me think of how quickly we can uh get from one movie with a blue laser in the sky to another like a kevin bacon style like how many degrees between uh blue laser movies are there because then you you can hop from firefly to avengers with joss whedon uh just just stop i'm gonna go make that website after this so uh, don't do that to yourself anyway uh I think Miguel is the name of Randy Quaid's son in this movie. Probably. I I want to say. Uh, and he's talking to Adam Baldwin. Um, and uh, he's like, you know, son, you should be proud. Your dad uh, sacrificed himself. And in a way too happy reply, he's sort of like, yeah, I am proud. And <laughs> that's just the end of it. And it's like... <laughs> That's the last we see of that character. By yeah, the way. I feel like the implication there is that he's like, yeah, my dad's kind of a kind of a, 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 a schmuck. I didn't really like him very much, so you know. Really? I I see this as as an all parties win type scenario here. I yeah. mean, he got to go out in a blaze of glory. Everyone will remember him as this great American hero, and my family doesn't have to deal with him anymore. Yeah, like it's it's a little it's a little rough. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. Um. And then everyone just smiles at the ship having blown up. This movie does have a lot of shots of other countries. <laughs> maybe maybe this is where some of that uh, cynicism, not even cynicism, this is more just like naive Hollywood nonsense. Um, naive is probably too nice a word for it. There's a lot of other shots of, of random countries that just have people in like stereotypical native gear like i don't even think they do subtitles i think the entire way they communicate the where these scenes are supposed to take place is like these people have a bunch of turbans and curved swords and like these people are wearing traditional african garb 
and have like painted instruments. <laughs> it's like this is offensive. I don't think you were trying to be, <laughs> but like they don't even show Paris. They don't show anywhere in Europe. It's like there's America and there's all these other countries that are having to rely on sticks and bows and arrows to take down the aliens. <laughs> it's like what what did, what did Roland Emmerich here you should know better than this. I know that that's a bold statement when it comes to Roland Emmerich, but come on, man. Hey, hey, hey you, you know what? 300 million in, in box office returns in the US tells me that he didn't he <laughs> you know, knowing better you know, maybe maybe it wasn't the best idea. Maybe that maybe that would have hurt. Him. That's true. That's true. He didn't want to risk uh, anybody thinking this was not a very important American film. Look, we've all committed a lot of sins here. <laughs> Look, I've seen the box office receipts to Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen in a similar vein. I know all of you went to it, us mm-hmm. included. Like mm-hmm. we're we're all we we've all put our That's hands in the true. filth. <laughs> I saw that movie in IMAX. Some of us have sinned more than others. I still hear the screams. <laughs> she has jet fire falling over. <laughs> I do like the the bit at the end. Um, I can't. I, I'm not even sure if this is a setup. I can't remember if Will Smith says this to his his. Um, now it's it's actually his son. Uh, steps on but he goes didn't i promise you fireworks and they're seeing all the yeah uh wreckage from the alien ships like passing through and burning up in the atmosphere and stuff oh that's mm-hmm. that was a, that's a good ending yeah uh i did actually watch this on fourth of july and there was a firework outside that went off at the exact moment the mothership blew up so i will i will say that uh enhanced the experience i i watched it at like one in the morning on like it's either saturday or sunday but (laughs) i was was just like well i woke up from an extended nap and i've been (laughs) been binging through stranger things i should probably go ahead and knock this out otherwise i'm just gonna keep watching stranger things um so yeah that's that's when i watched this you know i was actually a fairly lucid watching experience you know Are you sure it wasn't a lucid dream? I mean, it could have been. It could have been. I've been way too nice to this movie. Maybe it was a dream. Did you dream that you watched the movie? (laughs) Do do Alex's dream of electric Roland Emmerich movies? (laughs) God, I hope not. (sighs) Do we have anything else to say about Roland Emmerich's seminal work? His master class, Independence Day. Labor Day Retribution. Ooh. Now that would have been that okay, that would have sold me on actually going to the sequel. If each one was set around a different <laughs> holiday weekend. That would be good. That would be good. Like what what if you did Veterans Day? <laughs> uh so many possibilities. Uh, spoilers for for the the 2012 Taylor Kitsch uh, masterpiece, also a battleship. The end of yeah. that movie is they have to recruit a bunch of older veterans from the navy to fight the aliens. So it's like we get the big old battleship working mm-hmm. again, and there's ACDC music playing. And I'm like, all right, 
they should have just taken that and put that in Independence Day yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be fine. I I just wish I could take a whole bunch of the the schlocky, terrible blockbuster movies and just mash them together mm. in one. That way, I don't have to deal with all of them. It's just in one go. And, they did and if them you, all. If you want to watch a movie that has Taylor Kitsch and Jai Courtney and Dwayne Johnson, then you got a one stop shop. You don't have to like pick and choose. You know that is true. And Sam Worthington will have a cameo. Yeah, it's fine. He's got Avatar two and three and four james cameron came out and said i'm 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 dating the podcast he recently came out and said you know i don't even know if i'm directing the fourth one or or beyond that maybe i'll give it to somebody else i'm like no you're too far in man you gotta finish (laughs) that (laughs) you 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 had it too good for too long cameron i need to manifest (laughs) the idea of avatar 2 comes out probably makes a billion dollars it's fine um like you know middling reviews everyone kind of just writes the crest of like ah it looks really good sure uh and then avatar 3 the the gig is finally up you know makes like only 750 million or whatever for whatever that's worth um and then you know does like really gets really mediocre reviews and so then he's like all right here we go. And he, he at Comic-Con, he passes off the franchise to J.J. Abrams. <laughs> and, or Colin. Maybe he lets them compete. Maybe he's like, hey, you each, instead of a four and a five, you each get to make Avatar 4. Whichever one makes more money, they're going to be released on the sa- at the same time. And you get the J.J. The Abrams or the Colin Javarro experience. Can, can I can I throw out a, a, an opposing kind of a versus scenario here? Um, I, I think we should have. Uh, I think this would be just as good. I think we should have Tim Miller versus Alan Taylor because they've too. already had to do this with a previous Cameron this, franchise. It's, it's like Willy Wonka. Uh, <laughs> he hands <laughs> he hands it off to to five five middling sort of uh journeyman hollywood standard types ron howard's in there uh and he's just like all right one of you will inherit the avatar kingdom one of what's, you will inherit pandora what's what's mcgee been up to McG. since since terminator so, didn't he do those babysitter movies on netflix he can yeah okay he can all right probably i, probably I think fine. i he's he's primed and ready for an avatar yes, yes. uh also uh who's doing who's doing deadpool 3 who did who just did free guy uh ah, what's his name because he's a producer on stranger things yeah that guy you know who i'm talking about audience you got it now i gotta look it up and then you just you go in you know this is in 2034 you go to your fandango mind app to go uh, see avatar 2 <laughs> to go pick out your <laughs> <to go see laughs> the director is sean levy that's who we're thinking of sure um yes uh you you go you go in your app and it's like instead of just you know oh do you want do you want reserve seating 3d do you want just reserve seating do you want general seating now it's like you you want want reserve seating and sean levy to direct your movie do you want the (laughs) 3d jj abrams version of this movie do you want 
Ron Howard directing this movie for you in 2D with general seating. Like you got all, there's just literally a hundred options. Do you want the option where James Cameron locks the door after you enter because he will not let you leave? <laughs> there's there's uh, so many options and you have to like, it's like trading cards. You have to go around town to find the <laughs> theaters that are showing each director's version. Yeah. No, but it's it's not like, it's not official information you can find anywhere. You have to hear it through word of mouth. Yeah, you yeah. have to like you have to like build your own like scratch notes. You've got yes. you got you got the cork board on the wall <laughs> with the red string, and you're like, all right, this theater's got the J.J. Abrams version that has a slightly different ending to the Tim Miller version, yes. but the Alan Taylor one has Amelia Clark in it, and you know that's that. All right, that might work. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she can save this. There, there's there's rumors of secret versions. It's like what is what does James Gunn's Avatar Five look like? <laughs> I hear it's out there, man. <laughs> it's got the entire cast of Scooby-Doo 2. Okay, you know what? It, the first Avatar movie came out in 2009. If yeah. this, what we've just laid out, is not what Cameron has actually been planning for this whole time, anything less is going to be a bitter disappointment. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> I will also be very, very happy, actually, if Avatar 2 doesn't come out until 2034, though. That would be fine. <laughs> also, I would also achieve the goal. Look, I I don't I I I would love for all the Avatar movies to be great. I don't like the first one very much. I would love for for James Cameron to continue making these really successful movies. And you know, I, I like the cast of those movies. I just don't think the first one's very good. Um, but I just, I, I, I'm just done. I'm just tired. I'm just sick of it. Like I'll, I'll, I'll like it if it's good. But I just, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't muster up the excitement. James Cameron gives, he gives, uh, he contracts David Lynch for one. And David Lynch is like, "What's an Avatar?" And then just directs <laughs> the sequel to the Straight Story <laughs> with the money. No, 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 no. David Lynch, I've done a Disney movie before. No, David Lynch would be told he's directing Avatar, and he would direct like the best live ad- action adaptation of The Last Airbender <laughs> that you could think of. My kids think it's the bee's knees. <laughs> but like, it would be really faithful and really fun, and it would be in the spirit of the the show, and it would just be like the best thing ever. He's like, I bring you Avatar two. <laughs> And on that note, um, I'm going to get... We are not going to have nearly this much fun with the actual sequels that come out for Avatar. Oh, oh God, no. Upset. No. That's that's why we're not doing them for the podcast. I, th- I was going to say before all that discussion started, uh, Sam Worthington, I think, has really lucked out here. Because, like, yeah, he had to sit around for a while, but, like, now he's locked into this maddening, insane franchise where he's probably getting, like, these massive contracts because he, he got locked in at the ground level. Yeah, uh, and they're spending three billion dollars a movie on these. <laughs> yeah, good, good for him. You know, I, I, I said back when I saw Terminator Salvation, I was like, I like that Sam Worthington. I like him, and I'm giving Independence Day a C minus. <laughs> 
can't quite get into the D range because I do think that that third act is genuinely quite a bit of fun. And like I said, I think the performances of Bill Pullman, Will Smith, and Jeff Goldblum save this from being another Roland Emmerich movie. It's not good, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go C minus as well. Okay, I was gonna uh, say give, give it a B, just give it no. a whirl. <laughs> I'm going to go C- minus as well. I'm the mayor. What, what, what grade do you think you'll give Avatar 2 directed by Tim Miller? Like that, I think yeah, just yeah. give it that grade. Yeah. We're going to have to have Britain give Does a little have... bit of a review, a mini review, whatever, whenever we, we record next. Yeah, we don't, we don't have to put him through that. <laughs> I want him to to explain the F. Like, even if it's know. just, like, a sentence, that's all I need. I don't know. <laughs> he probably... stuff in this movie. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give my own um, version. I'm, I'm going to give a, an interpretation of, of Britain's thoughts on, on Independence Day. All right, you ready? It was dumb. Yeah. Checks out. Britain, not nod yet once for yes and twice for no. Tyler, what do you have to recommend for for the the the, the men uh, and women, the, the ladies and gents listening to to our our show? We do a show, I think. What? <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh I watched the the last the the most recent Stranger Things stuff that came out content that was released, and I thought it was good. I recommend anybody who hasn't gotten back into that with season four to do it because that show, like there's something about the, the combination of the, I I think that sometimes like the pacing and and the actual story itself is not as like well thought out as it could be. And sometimes it's messy and it's a little like big and inflated, but so much about just the atmosphere and the scene to scene stuff is so entertaining and fun. Um, I like I I think that's a show that because it was gone so long it let people sort of come up with their own hot takes about it that weren't really informed by the show because it had been so long since they'd watched it but they, I I think that this idea of it being just sort of a nostalgia bait thing had generated over time and and sort of congealed uh and I don't think that that's the case at all like there's fun little references here and there but like the characters and the cast are so much fun when they interact with each other and the atmosphere is great it looks great the music is fantastic and the sound design absolutely it's um, just always really 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 strong um i think it's just a, a lovely show every time i get back into it so yeah i can't quite say i it's my recommendation i don't know i i like i said i, I started binging the whole thing again last week because i i mm-hmm. i i think i had seen the first couple seasons a couple times and I had only seen season three once and I hadn't seen season four. I'm like a little over halfway through season four at this point, I guess, because the last several episodes are the links of movies. Um, yeah. So it's, it's all really good. And I think that the, the fun thing about watching it all within like a week or a week and a half is that it's, it's cool to see just how consistent and quality it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever any major dips um, probably the harshest criticism I could throw at it is that 
season two feels a little bit redundant with some yeah. of its plot points. I think season two's the the one where it's like we don't quite know where we want to take this. Um, but I think it's it's all quite strong and I, I think it's able to balance kind of the whimsical, funny, you know, kids in the eighties stuff with the hardcore rated hardcore and everything quite well i think it's it's amazing how it's able to balance all that um and the cast is wonderful so i might recommend it again next week as my recommendation there we go we'll see it's a stranger things july up in here i'll just recommend the bear again just go watch the bear (laughs) yeah yell at each other it's great <laughs> here for it uh if you want to find out what we recommend next week and also what we watch again next week because i don't think we're sure what what's going to happen and that doesn't bode well because last time we weren't sure what was going to happen and we ended up on independence day um so i all bets are off really um but we have officially decided it will not be a Roland Emmerich movie. It won't be a Roland Emmerich movie. That's our one guarantee. That's our singular guarantee. Look, you get few guarantees in life, but that yes. that is one of them. Take that to the bank. And that is that is from us to you. Yeah. You're welcome. America. <laughs> uh, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at HCT Sequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Music, or Apple Podcast, whatever they call it now. Uh, the various podcast distribution services. So check us out. Uh, if you found us, I assume you already have. Give us a like. Leave us a review. Um, tell us why you like Roland Emmerich movies? <laughs> <laughs> Question um, mark? Oh, I, okay, fun, fun pitch for people. Tell us why we should watch Independence Day Resurgence. And no, don't just say, no. don't just say it's the second one. You got to do it. No, give us like an actual like, don't. oh, I liked this thing about them. Like, give, what's the elevator pitch for Independence Day Resurgence? I want, don't, I want to hear that. Don't leave us hope. Or leave I mean, them hope. Look, nobody's going to send Don't send take us our hope. <laughs> prove, prove us wrong by sending us things, but it will not change the fact that we're not reviewing Independence Day Resurgence unless, again, we specifically need a random movie this time next year. This kind of moment really reminds me of one of my favorite uh, Star Wars robot chicken bits where the, the Emperor is, is on the Death Star and he's had all these, these terrible mm-hmm. things happen to him and he says... Uh, you want to see me tempt fate? Uh, <laughs> could this day get any worse? I did it ironically, so I think I'm okay. Cut to two hours later, and he's getting thrown into the shaft. That's that's like that's like my every week experience on this podcast. So you know, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll review something nice. Look, I I, I made I made you and Britain do. Well, I mean, Britain do most of them. I made I made you guys do the James Bond movie, so that's I, true. You you always have that in your back pocket to to level at me. So I've been Alex. <laughs> I've been Tyler. Um, and you're having uh night. 